here likes going to the zoo? All right, don't, don't just raise your hand. Shout out, go woo, if you like going to the zoo. Anybody online, you watching, you like going to the zoo? Someone shout, what's your favorite animal to see at the zoo? Someone. Elephant, eel. What is it? A what? A pancreas? I didn't hear you. A koala bear? A polar bear? A tiger? Well, who here likes lions? Who here would actually like to go down in the enclosure and hang out with the lions? How many of you would be nervous to go down in the enclosure and hang out with the lions? Has anyone here ever read or heard the story of a guy named Daniel? And he went down into a den of lions. Well, Daniel's story does not start with lions. It actually starts way before the lions. It starts with a young man who was committed to God at a time when not many people around him were. And so tonight, I want to speak, and everybody's got to tune in. Because God's going to do some neat things here tonight, but you got to hear what his word says. And I'm going to speak on this topic, standing strong among the lions. Standing strong among the lions. All right, you guys sang well. I need somebody to pray. This is not where I pray and you stop and listen to me pray. But you pray out loud and, and we're going to pray together. Unless, did you want to pray for me? No? Okay. Uh, you guys raised your hand. I thought, man, y'all going to pray over me, so I'm fine with that. All right, well, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you for, Lord, a multi-generational church who loves and serves you, God. Lord, let us never lose that, God. I pray that you would just anoint me. Your word's already powerful. That doesn't need help, but I do, and help every, every man, woman, and child, God, to have their ears open and their hearts open for what it is you want to speak and accomplish tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. So now let's, let's go ahead and read where this story starts, all right? The first chapter of Daniel, here's how Daniel starts off. It says, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign, is there anybody here named Jehoiakim? Anybody want to be named Jehoiakim? That'd be, yeah, that'd be kind of cool, huh? So Jehoiakim's reign it says, in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects of the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and he placed them in the treasure house of his God. Meaning his God was different than their God. Okay? And so the king ordered Esven... See, this is why I didn't have you guys read tonight. I should have had you guys read. This would have been easier. But Aspenes, right? So he conquered them. He said to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family. All right? So he conquered them. He says, bring these kids. He says, but here's the thing, verse 4. He says, select only strong. Is there anybody here strong? 
If you're strong, I want to see you go like this. All right, all right. I got to be careful. Last time I preached this message, I ripped through my coat. But uh, <laughs> So he says, bring only strong, healthy. Raise your hand if you're healthy. <laughs> I noticed most of the hands are toward the front of the building. I'm not sure. Um, and then he says, and good looking. Are you good looking? Come on. Just go like this if you're good looking. Not hurting for confidence in some of these, eh? And he says, and bring the good-looking young men. He says, make sure that they're well-versed in every branch of learning, gifted with knowledge. Anybody gifted with knowledge? <laughs> and good judgment. Does anyone here have good judgment? The youth group was over here trying to figure out who actually does in the group. I don't know. I'd say Pastor Chad. I'd say Pastor Chad. These are suited to serve in the palace. He says, train these young men in the language. In, was it in their literature and language? What does scripture say? He says, I want you to choose these young men who are good-looking, strong, and healthy, and I want you to train them in our language. Meaning, I want you to change their language, their custom. I want you to train them in ours. Okay? So the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were trained for three years. How many of you like to be in school for three more years, right? Huh? And then they would enter royal service. The chief of staff renamed them. They got new names. Could you imagine this, guys? Okay, your land gets conquered. They take you out of your home. They try to train you in a new language, new food to eat. Now they're saying, I'm even going to give you a new name. All right? And you didn't get to pick your name, but you're going to get assigned a new name. He says, Daniel, you're going to be Belshazzar. I mean, that's a little tougher. You go and just say, all right, uh, I'm taking roll call. You're like, who's Daniel? I'm Daniel. Next day, you're like, I'm Belshazzar. <laughs> Hananiah was called Shadrach. That might be an upgrade, maybe. Mishael was Meshach. Azariah was Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. So what about you? You think you'd be doing all right? You just got taken from your home. They say you're a good, healthy, young, uh, uh, strong guy. I'm going to bring you in here. We're going to train you for three years. But you're going to start eating different, dressing different. We're going to give you a new name. And you're in this new place with all these new people. Do you think you're going to have the guts to stand up and go, hold it? No, 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 no. I am not eating and drinking what you're eating and drinking. Some of you would do that because you do that every night at the dinner table. <laughs> I might have one or two of those in my house, but God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. 
And so he responded, I am afraid of the Lord, my king. He says, you've been ordered to eat this food. And he's like, listen, it's my neck's on the line. Your neck's on the line. You got to eat this because if, if you don't eat this, it's my job because I'm supposed to make sure you eat it. And if you start looking pale and weak when we brought you here and you were healthy and strong and good looking and then you get under my care and you're not eating the way you're supposed to and you're no longer healthy, strong, good looking, I'm going to die and so are you. So we got a problem here. So Daniel says, listen, 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 let's do a test. Ten days on a diet of vegetables. Who's ready to go on a diet of vegetables? And water. So he, parents, for the next ten days, I want you to feed your kids vegetables and water. And we'll come back here in a few. No? No, okay. At the end of 10 days, let's see how I look. Daniel says, let's see how I look compared to the other guys that are here. And so the attendant said, fine, I'll give it a shot. Well, at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the guys that were eating the king's food and drinking the king's wine. That's pretty amazing, right? I want you to notice something, though. The enemy took them out of their homes, and the enemy was trying to change their identity. Do you know what their identity is? That's, that's who they are. That's, that's the essence of who they are as a person. They wanted to change their literature, meaning you're no longer going to read the books from Israel. You're going to read the books from Babylon or what they consumed. Today, you know what we might call that? We might call that media. I wanted to change the way they talk. You're not going to speak that language. You're going to speak a different language. Oh, and then we're going to change the way you dress. And we're even going to get you to drink wine with us. Their enemy might have a different name. But you know, today in the world in which you live, children, youth, adults, you're living in a world where your enemy, the enemy of your soul, the devil, is desiring nothing more than to change your identity, to change the way you talk, to change the way you dress, to change, to, to, to get you to consume the same media that is on their agenda and not yours, and even drink and eat with the world. For Daniel and his three friends, the Babylonians had invaded them. And rather than destroy the nation, the Babylonians sought instead. You know what? We're just going to immerse them into our culture. I actually don't want to. They could have easily killed all of them and destroyed them. They said, we're not going to destroy them. Instead, we're going to make them change and, and, and get them to become part of our culture rather than they be their own culture. But see, there's a problem because guess what the Bible says? The Bible says that the children of God are supposed to be coming out from among them and to be separate, to be unique in their identity. And as part of the process, they handpicked these, these young men and they taught them and they tried to immerse them in their culture. And, and you got to understand, you might think, well, why was Daniel making such a big deal over what he was eating for dinner? I ask myself that about kids regularly. Why are you making such a big deal about what you're eating for dinner? It's not like I'm picky. Um, <laughs> hey, now that you said that, I will let you know. I was in an airport last night in Dallas, 
My wife was my, my witness, and we were at a Mexican restaurant, and I grabbed a fork full of refried beans, and I tried them again, and it was still the same powdery, nasty. But I want you to know I keep trying. Those will not be served at the marriage supper of the Lamb, I just want you to know. And with that, 80% of the audience is like, I can't even hear anything else he's going to say tonight. <laughs> but Daniel, you said, why is it, why, what's the big deal? He's sitting there going, I'm not eating that. I'm not drinking that. Well, why? It was a big deal because traditionally, Babylonians worshipped pagan gods. So you worship and pray to God. Well, they might have had a god on a statue or, or a, a big statue or a god on a ledge that was above a fireplace mantle or something. They, and they would worship that god. And they would offer meat sacrifices. And they would offer things to their false gods. And then they would put it on the fire and they had offered that to their, to their false god. And whatever was left over, they would take that and they would cook it and then they would eat it. And they offered meat and wine to gods and what was left over they would consume. But the problem is eating food offered to Babylonian gods was a symbol of their submission to their authority. So when they would offer something to a god, then they would sit down and say, let's eat the rest after we just offered this to this statue that's a false god. The problem is anybody who sat down and began to eat that food, you might say, well, that's not that big of a deal. Give me some of it. But they are a big deal. Because to them, when they sat and ate that food, that was saying, I am submitting myself to that God as a deity in my life. And so, today too, you might say the same thing that somebody people said back then. Oh, it's not really a big deal. What do you drink? What do you eat? What do you, what do you wear? What do you read and watch? It's not that big of a thing, but it is that big of a thing. In Daniel's case, had he ate the food and drank the drinks, he would have been saying that God is where my wisdom and ability come from. Humanly speaking, Daniel had every reason to go against the demands. He could have said, forget this. God let me get captured. God let my, my homeland get taken out of my home and my name's changed. You know, forget this. God hasn't been faithful to me. I'm going to go ahead and just, just eat this and drink this and be a part of this culture. But he didn't. This was his big break for some. Instead of killing him, some of these guys were being model. They were being groomed to be kind of leaders in this culture. But Daniel said, I don't care what it costs. I'm not just here to blend in with everybody else. Daniel's situation is not unlike ours when you think about it. There were two parties who wanted Daniel's allegiance. And he couldn't satisfy both of them. He would either give in to the visible king, Nebuchadnezzar, or he would stand strong for the invisible king, God Almighty. And for those of you here today, you're going to walk in in just a couple months, or maybe tomorrow for some of you, in work and employment. <coughs> but you're going to go into middle school. Anybody getting ready to go into middle school here? See a couple hands. Anybody getting ready to go into junior high? Senior high? High school? Did we have that many kids drop out of school between <laughs> May and July? You're going to go on athletic teams? On your job? 
People will enter in and out of romantic relationships. There will be constant temptations to forget who you are. And now I know I'm having fun. I'm saying things to the kids and the adults. Some of you already checked out. You're somewhere else. But adults, tomorrow you're going to go to work and you're going to go to the weekends coming. And there's going to be constant temptation for you to forget who you are. To forget your name. To for to not, I don't worry about the way you dress. Talk like the rest of them. Go ahead and drink up. Watch whatever you want. Join the team. Skip church for practices and games. Babylon was aiming to entice the children of God to sin. Trying to change who they were, trying to change their future, trying to make them forget their past and their lineage, and trying to make a child of God one of them. Children, hear me. Back then in Daniel's time, the goal was, I want you to talk like I do, dress like I do, act like I do, watch what I watch, live the way I live. And that's what they were trying to do. Guess what? You are living in a world that is trying to get you to do the exact same thing. When God says, I've called you to be separate, I've called you to be different, and sometimes we go, well, I don't really want to be different. I want to just fit in with everybody else. But Daniel and his friends knew, I'm walking into a foreign land, a land that's not really my homeland. And guess what? You might say, how many of you live in Missouri? Raise your hand if you live in Missouri. Raise your hand if you live in Kansas. Anybody? All right. Okay. So... You might say, this is where I'm from, but guess what? The land that you live in, this is not your home. Your permanent home is going to be when Jesus comes back and we go to this place called heaven. That's where we live forever and ever. And you're living in a world where this world is trying to say, no, I, I, you, need to, you need to dress like I do and talk like I do and watch what I watch and, 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 and all these things and, and some of the stuff that you're being told in schools and some of the stuff that you're watching on TVs and media devices and hearing on songs that everybody just says is normal. And, it, and, then, and then you come to church and, and you, you hear something preached that, well, that, that's not what they told me at school and that's not what they told me. That's not what I saw on the sitcom that I like to watch at nighttime. And, and I just want you to know that the stuff, some of the stuff that you're hearing about and seeing, that's not normal just because everyone's doing it. If the Bible said to me, Gary, don't wear blue suits, then guess what? I would not be wearing this blue. I don't care if everybody else in the world wears blue suits. I would not wear blue suits because to me, it's the word of God. What God's word says trumps everything else. It trumps what CNN says, Fox News says. It, it trumps what ABC is or the sitcoms. It trumps what the newest movies are at the theater. It trumps all of that. And so as a result of, of trying to stand strong, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they actually stood so strong where they got tricked and said, you know what? We're putting you in a fiery furnace. But you know what? God, God brought them through. But then it comes to Daniel. And Daniel, you know, it started there with, hey, you can't eat this meat. You know, oh, let's make some changes in the way you dress and the way you talk. But now, 
Now, it moves beyond that. Now, see, what's inside is going to come out, and the outside is just a reflection of the inside. So I when people say, like, oh, it, just, it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all what you wear. I say, well, I don't know if I agree with that because you start off at the beginning of time, and the first thing, God, the first thing that God creates is humankind. And I only read really about two things in the Bible that God made with his own hands. It said he made, he made a man from the dust of the ground. And then you know what? He made clothes for man. Two things that I see God make with his own hands. So when people say, well, I just, it doesn't matter what, what we wear. I, I go, I, I disagree. Biblically, I think we have scripture that, that points that's incorrect. But notice in Babylon, the enemy first started trying to change the exterior stuff. Hey, the stuff you watch, your literature, your clothes, things like that. But then it started to move into the interior stuff. Just six chapters later, the battle moved from how they talk and now to how they pray and worship. Daniel 6.1, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces and appointed an officer to rule over every province. And they got to the point where they started, the, his administrators, they're, they're walking around and they're saying, you know what? They knew that Daniel was a man who liked to pray. Do your friends know you as a person who likes to pray? I, would, I, I hope everybody that's in connection with us knows us as a person who likes to pray. And so they just said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We got a, they got together and said, I can't stand Daniel. He's an outsider, and people are elevating this guy, and he's good-looking and strong, and I just I don't like him. We got to trick him. And so they go to the king, who actually liked Daniel, and they tricked the king because they said, hey, you know what we need to do? Long live the king. You're amazing. Oh, Darius the Mede, we should be worshiping you in your position as king. Which should we be doing that? They elevated the king like a god too. And so they said, we need to make it a law in the land where wherever you go, you people bow down and they worship you. And they, and they at least give you just just. Humble obeisance as they bow. Oh, long live the king. And that no one, you can't bow down. You can't pray to anybody else but you. You can't bow down to anybody else but you. That's kind of, that's kind of the story. And so he says, you know what? That's, that's kind of a good idea. I kind of like that. So everywhere I go, I'm just going to walk around and people are just going to bow down. I don't really want you to bow down. but I mean, if you want to, that's what I'm no, so they're just going to walk around, and, and people are just going to bow down. And if somebody sees, and, and they kind of got them tattling on each other. I know there's no tattletales in the house, right? We never tattle on our brothers and sisters, right? There are a lot of children right now that are looking out of the corner of the eye at their parents. And so they got to the point where, you know what? If you see somebody bowing down and praying, you need to report them. Well, Daniel, he would just open up his window, and he would just pray. He was never ashamed to pray. And so what would you do now if you were a praying person, and all of a sudden now there's a law that if you get caught praying, you're getting, you're getting killed. You're getting put in a lion's den. I know we, we might sit here and go, 
Oh, man, I would still pray. Are you sure? That'd be pretty scary, wouldn't it? Or at the very least, maybe you'd kind of go under your bed covers and just be like, oh, Jesus, God, I pray. Daniel, he's like, Daniel just comes right here and he's like, If our neighbors are doing yard work, they're going to think we're weird if they didn't already think we were weird. So Daniel just goes to the window. He's just like worshiping God. Well, guess what? King, we found a person who's breaking the law, who's worshiping other gods, who is going directly defying you. It was spun in a bad way. The king, the king's like, wait, wait, defying me? Nobody should defy me. I'm the king. Who is it? We need to put that. Oh, remember, what do we need to do? Yes, we need to put him in the lion's den. Absolutely. Who is it? It's your friend Daniel. So the king can't go back on his word. Now he's already signed this into law, and he's, he got tricked. But now he's got this friend of his who's been praying, and he grabs Daniel. Daniel comes to see him. Come on with me, Daniel. And he's like, Daniel, man, why'd you pray? Daniel's like, this has been my lifestyle, king. I just, you know, I'm, this has always been who he is. The king's like, well, we have no choice. We got to throw you in the lion's den. And he's laughing today, but I don't know if Daniel was laughing. And so the king, he's got to throw him in the lion's den. And they bring him, and the king says in verse 16, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into a den of lions. Verse 16, and the king said, may your God, not our God, but he says, Daniel, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, the rest of everybody around him, the people that he went to school with, the people that he worked with, the people that he lived by, there weren't a lot of people standing strong. That's why we don't have stories about multiple people being thrown in the den of lions. We have a story about one person thrown in a den. Don't you think if there was a, a rule that you couldn't pray or bow, you couldn't bow to anybody but the king, shouldn't there have been hundreds or thousands of people getting thrown in the lion's den? We have a story of one. I'm wondering if you walked into the school, if you walked into your workplace, and you were the only person who dressed the way you do, the only person who talked the way you do, the only person who prayed the way you do, the only person who was keeping themselves pure the way you are. In 
everybody else is saying it's not that big of a deal to sit down and eat a meal at the king's table. It's not that big of a deal to dress the way they dress. It's not that big of a deal to read their literature. But one said, I won't bow. The only one that I'm going to bow to is God and his law. I'm not going to bow to the law of King Nebuchadnezzar, not King Darius, not any of them. And so the king knew him as, he said, you know what, you've served him so faithfully. I'm praying that we have a room full of people and people watching online that people know us as a person who serves our God faithfully. And he says, whom you serve so faithfully, I am praying that he will deliver thee. Oh, what would you have done? Would you have continued to pray when you knew a, a den of hungry lions? Would you deny Christ? Would you pray quietly? What would you do? And so in verse 17, a stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal. It's interesting. Jesus, they tried this same trick. Roll a stone, put him in there, and let's just see what will happen. God, he just tends to overcome stones and, 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 and obstacles. And so they roll a stone over and, and with his own royal decree so that nobody could rescue Daniel. I love that, that, last, that last word. He said, so that no one could rescue Daniel. As, what, where are we? Verse 17. Oh, you put a different version up. All right, all right. So that no one could rescue Daniel. The irony of that last statement, no one could rescue Daniel. The enemy of your soul wants you guys, adults, children alike, to feel that no one is there. That no one is coming for you. There's just a stone over your situation. Nobody can get to you. You are odd. No one else lives the way you do. Why even try? It's not worth it. Nobody's coming. Nobody can hear you. Imagine how that would have felt when you're getting lowered down to a, a pit of lions and they roll a stone over and you go, hope is gone. Nobody, nobody can even hear me. Nobody can save me. Nobody can see me. Nobody can hear me. But God. But God. <laughs> you see, and, and even though they were saying, no, you need to talk the way we do, dress the way we do, watch what we do, worship the way we do. I wonder if Daniel, what was going through his mind as he was getting lowered down to hungry lions. I wonder if he was going... I made the right decision. Or if he was going, I hope I made the right decision. Or if he was going, is it too late to change my decision? I don't think so based on what I read about Daniel. You see, there's a price to pay. You might pay it, standing strong or not standing strong. You, you, you say, I'm going I'm to just go with the crowd. I'm going to go with the flow. There's a price to pay for that. You say, I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to go with what I believe. There's a price to pay for that, too. You're going to stand for something. And you might miss out on being popular at times. You might go into schools and, and, and you might say, well, this is a sacrifice because I might not be popular at times based on some of the things I do or choose not to do. 
You might have to skip participating in a sport that you love at some point. And I enjoy sports. But there were some sports I missed out on growing up that had Wednesday night games and Wednesday night practices. And I was raised that, yeah, sports are great, but I will never choose a sport over the house of God. The boy or girl who likes you and you, don't, and you like them made me need to be let go because he or she does not have the same morals that you do. People may make fun of you, but for Daniel, it was even more serious. It wasn't just made fun of, go and sit at the lunch table. No, for him, he kept talking and dressing the same, refusing to bow, keeping on praying, and God honors him. And look what happens in verse 18. The king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. I mean, this king really loved Daniel. He's fasting, and he refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Amazing, even as far as back then, they, they had entertainment that would put them to sleep. You should be careful what you're entertaining yourself with as you go to sleep. And very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. What was he expecting? As a man, he's, he's got to be like, okay, so this guy serves this God. I'm hoping for the best. But what do you really expect? We just lowered what is probably a teenage boy, a little older, down into a den of hungry lions. And we rolled a, a, a stone over the top of it. But he says, very early, I'm going to go out there. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. Was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to serve you, to, to rescue you from the lions? You see, when you get yourself into circumstances and you feel like I'm all alone and I'm going through this and I, I just don't know if anybody hears me, you need to remember when you stand strong for God, this is not your battle, it's God's battle. The king says, Daniel, was your God able to save you? It was God's battle. Kind of like the plagues in Egypt. Hey, was it, was it Egypt against Israel? No, it was Egyptian gods against the one true God of Israel. And so, could you imagine this? He, he obviously can't see. He didn't just open it and be like, hey, what's it going on? Shine a flashlight. It was probably so deep and dark. Daniel! Was the God that you serve so faithfully able to serve you, able to save you? And he hears. Next verse. Long live the king. I wonder if he looked around. Did you just hear something? It was probably a cave. It's just, long, long, long live the king. God sent his angel. He tells him to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Why? Because you can still say, you know what? I'm going to live by the law of the land. I'm going to respect the people who are in positions and in political power. But when it comes time that you are asking me to deny Christ or to walk against the grain of scripture. I cannot do that. 
And so he says, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the lion's den. And, and, and look what it says, not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Could you imagine getting let down into a den of lions? And it was not just, hey, I hope I can survive this. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace, Scripture actually tells us not even a piece of their clothing was singed. didn't even smell like smoke. You ever sat by a fireplace? At the very least, a bonfire? You come home, your parents are like, man, put those clothes in the washer. You smell. You know what I mean? Because like, you at least take on the smell of the smoke. They didn't even smell like smoke. And Daniel comes up out of that cave, out of that den, and not even a scratch on him. Not even a scratch. And why? Because he trusted his God. <laughs> remember the passage that said no one could save him. You just need to remember someone. Children, youth, adults, we need to remember. You will go through your life. It might be today at 8 years old or 12 years old or 15 years old or 17 years old or 24 or 38 or 74, okay? You're going to go through a time in your life that you feel totally alone, that nobody is there, nobody can hear you, the rock is over your situation, you're, 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 you're in the dark, you don't even know where anybody is, and you're going, I'm, I am by myself. You need to hear me when I say you are never by yourself. <laughs> never. No matter how dark the situation gets, no matter how alone you feel, no matter how scared you are, you are never alone. God is with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And I'll tell you, if I could challenge a young person here today, it is so easy to just go with the crowd. It's so simple. You know, people think, well, they respect me because, you know, they, they, they dress that way, so I want to dress that way. They talk that way, so I'm trying to talk that way so I can fit in. And they go wash those things, so I'm going to go wash those things so I can fit in. They drink that stuff, so I'm going to drink that stuff so that I can fit in. They go to those places, and I'm going to go to those places so that I can fit in. And you know, that might get you at the table. That might get you laughing at the jokes, but at the end of the day, no one respects that. They respect the person, the king, that says, I made this law, and everybody else is bringing it to me, and I sure loved when everybody was bowing down to me. But you know what, Daniel? At the end of the day, as you read his story, that king had the utmost respect for Daniel. And that's what I want. Is you know what? I want our church that when we walk into every situation that we go to, your situation looks different than mine. Your schedule looks different than mine. The location you go, it looks different than mine. But when you walk into your situation, like I walk into my situation, I want us to walk in standing tall and knowing that, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not going to bow. It doesn't matter if I stand out, if I'm different, if I'm called out, if I'm separated, that's fine. I refuse to bow just to fit in with everybody else around me. And I find it interesting. We're talking all about lions. I find it interesting. The Bible compares the devil. Do you know what he says about the devil? He is as a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I just think about that scripture when I read this. I could say the devil can sit and roar and, may, and try to make everybody scared that he's going to devour everybody that stands against him. But he has no power or authority. He, I can go right down into his den. And if God is with me, God has the power to just go beep, 
kitty cat. You can't. That's it. But it gets better. And I'm, I need to move this along. I know we, we're ready probably to be done. But it gets better. Daniel does not just emerge untouched and unhurt. But the fact that Daniel stood strong brings glory to God amongst the whole crowd. Could it be that the revival at your school, the revival in your family, the revival on your block is waiting to happen when someone will just stand up and say, I'm not bowing? And in order for God to do what God wants to do, first and foremost, you may have to be different than everyone else around you. Daniel stood strong. The very people who all bowed down to the pressure of the world, they were now the ones here. They're about to hear a message about God from the strong young man who refused to bow. Verse 24, the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Yikes. The lion's leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the den of the floor, the floor of the den. Yikes. That just, that part is in there to show these were not just well-fed lions who weren't hungry when Daniel got down there. God stepped in and performed an absolute miracle and shut the lions' mouths. It wasn't because they were just nice lions or well-trained. Daniel's safety was a direct result of God stepping in. So Darius sent the message to the people of the nation. He says, peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He goes on and says he rescues and saves people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and the earth. He's rescued Daniel for the power of the lions. Guess what? This message does not go out into an entire nation. You talk about a swing of events. You think about Esther. You think about Daniel. You think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The people who were most mightily used of God were just individuals who said, I will not bow to everything else around me. I will not bow to the pressures and the cares of this world. I refuse to bow down just because everybody's doing it that way. But God says, you know what? I'm going to raise up this leader who's going to be one that, he was the one that put him in the lion's den, but he's the one that ends up preaching this message going, this is the true God. This is the God who will never die. This is the God who will endure forever. In all of that, Daniel didn't preach that message. The king preached the message. But the king got up the one with authority. I wonder who's in our life right now. What kind of principal is running a school right now that is waiting to see a student that will stand strong for God? And all of a sudden that principal starts to say, we need to get more Bible clubs up in this school. Listen, I'm thankful. I don't bring politics into the pulpit, but when it's scriptural, I'm thankful that a college or a high school football coach just got a vote that said he can pray on a football field in a public school. Listen, 
God wants to work in our schools and the way that he's going to work in our schools is going to be through young men and young women who stand up strong and say, I will not bow. Yes, I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to listen to my teachers. I'm not going to be disrespectful and disobedient. But it, when it comes to when everybody else is saying, dress that way, talk that way, watch this. No, 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 no. I am a child of God. I've been called and set aside and set apart for his kingdom. I will not bow. This world and the places you go, the people who surround you, they're going to push you to conform. There's going to be times you're going to feel like everybody else is doing the normal stuff, and I feel abnormal. I feel out of place. Everybody talks like this. Everybody wears this. Everybody watches this. Mom, Dad, come on. I want to watch it. I want to wear that. I want to talk like that. I want to go. I feel so restricted, and you're going to feel like this, and, and there's times you're going to say, I want to dress like them, talk like them, drink like them, watch what they watch, listen to what they listen to, but hear me when I say, you are called by God to be different and it's not a punishment it's not it's not a, it's a privilege it's not it's not just these are rules and restrictions God's simply saying you are special you are my child and I don't I don't care what everybody else is doing for you I've called you to be different and that's where we as young men and young women and children will say you know what I know it's going to be tough at times. For Daniel, you can say, oh, what a great story. It comes out of the lion's den. It probably was not a great story when people were constantly following him and watching him and trying to record what he was doing by hand, not with an iPhone, and trying to record and keep track of everything and, and snitching on him and going telling people and then arresting him and then and getting brought before the king and then getting lowered down into a lion's den and the rock poured, put, put over him and sitting there in the dark overnight. Even that, how would you like to just sit in a, in a pit overnight in the dark? I mean, there's nothing about this that's like, yeah, that was fun. That was easy. We read the end of the story, and we don't think about the journey to the end of the story. Listen, God's, God's never going to fail you. He's never going to leave you by yourself. He's never going to let you down. But there may be times that you might feel like he does. But... No matter what the enemy says, they have no power over you. And so as you stand to your feet tonight, I'm, ch I'm just challenging. I'm just putting this out there for men, for women, for children, for, for every age group. But I'm really, especially as a fa on a family Wednesday, I am really talking to the children's ministry. And I'm really talking to the youth group. Children's ministry I know some of you, you're like, I'm five, I'm six, I'm seven, I'm eight, I'm nine, I'm ten. I mean, like, what in the world? But in the Bible, people were already doing great things at that age. And I want you to think about, you know what? This world's going to be pushing messages on you for the rest of your life. They're going to be trying to get you conformed to things, and I'm just looking for children's, for, for young boys and girls in children's ministry and young men and women in the youth group that will look up and say, I will not bow. I will dress in modesty. I will not consume the alcohol. I refuse to watch that. Not just because mom and dad say I can't in my house, but I've made a commitment at a young age that I won't watch that. 
I will not talk that way. But everybody talks that way. I will not. But I will not lay my eyes on that. Yeah, but all my friends in the locker room, they bring out their phones, they show it. I will not be that person. I will not miss church. I don't care if everyone else goes and, and they skip the altar and they just walk out. I, from a young age, I will always get to the altar. I will always be a man or woman of prayer. I will always pursue Christ. I will always stand strong no matter the consequences. And if one day I got to get lowered into a lion's den, I will stand strong among the lions because I have precedent and stories of all the people who stood strong through the Bible and they were the ones that were mightily used of God. If you want to be mightily used of God, it's not by following the crowd and doing everything that the crowd does and says. It's not by doing that. It's by saying, I refuse to bow, and the only one I bow to is God and His Word. There's nothing and no one else. And so I just invite some, some people here tonight to find an altar, to rededicate and recommit to, to the fact that, you know what? I'm not just serving Him because it's easy. I'm not just serving Him because it's convenient. Wherever I go, whatever I do, when people try to, to push me and say, well, you do that, you believe that, you think that's necessary, you better believe I think it's necessary because God spoke it, because His Word says it. I will not bow. I will stand strong. No matter what the consequence is, I refuse to bow.